are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about the NBA draft, NBA free agency. As we know, players can start getting signed this week, but you're going to start hearing some rumblings uh, all this week of who's possibly going where, who's possibly signing with who. Uh, We're going to talk a little College World Series, a little bit of women's golf, and a couple other things that we'll get to, and um, college basketball as well. Kind of goes in line with the NBA draft, but a few things to get to and give you a little teaser for an upcoming guest on Friday of this week. We'll get to that momentarily. So those that just listen to this sports podcast might be unaware of the daily roundup that I do, which is on my Reality Steve feed. Just know that it's a big week in Reality Steve world because Charity's Bachelorette season starts today and, well... A lot of stuff going on on that side of the on that side of the wall, I guess. So there's a big podcast out today on the Daily Roundup in terms of charity season. So um, and right now, I mean, we are June and July and even into August until until football training camp start, which is the end of July. June and July are the slowest months sports wise, because the only major sport going on is baseball. Football training camps don't start until like July 20th or so. There's no college football. There's no college basketball. There's no NBA. There's no NHL. The NBA is going to dominate for the next couple weeks. But I will have plenty to talk about. Don't get me wrong. It's just the only major sports going on to talk about that are actually playing their games is baseball. But for the next couple weeks, it's mostly going to be NBA stuff. So let's start with the NBA draft. And... And this was really interesting because I watched the whole draft the other night, yet I didn't realize it until I started looking at Twitter the next day when the draft was over where you started seeing where some of the guys who didn't get drafted signed as a free agent for certain teams. And the thing that struck me that was really interesting was the fact that three of the best big men in college basketball did not get drafted on Thursday. The final four most outstanding player this year, Adama Sanogo from UConn, didn't get drafted. The college basketball player of the year two years ago, who came back for another year, his senior year, Oscar Shibway, Kentucky, didn't get drafted. Drew Timmy, a first-team All-American, the overall leader at Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Jesus, I'm still making that mistake. The overall leader at Gonzaga in so many categories, easily one of the top five players to ever come out of that program, not drafted. Timmy, I saw, signed a free agent contract with the Bucks. I don't know who Sonogo signed with or Shibway. I know they did. I can't remember off the top of my head who they signed with. But it is pretty amazing when you look at it, but it goes to show all the things I've been talking about in recent years with the NBA and how the game is played. The bottom line is, if you look at Adoma Sonogo, Oscar Shibwe, and Drew Timmy, let's be serious. None of them can shoot outside of five feet. They're all back-to-the-basket players. They're all good rebounders. And But you're not throwing it in. You're not putting them out in space on the wing so they can face up and knock down a 15-foot bank shot from the wing or knock down a three-pointer from the top of the key. 
Timmy on occasion, but he's not a three-point shooter. Timmy's not even a 15-foot shooter. All these guys are just low-post players who can rebound. It's like, okay, there's a lot of rebounders in the NBA. That's not to say that Sonogo Shibwe or Timmy can't catch on with a team, can't latch on with a team, be, be maybe an eighth or ninth man, and maybe make a ro- team's rotation. That's not to say they can't. But it is interesting to note that three of the best big men in college basketball this past year weren't considered two of the top, three of the top 60 players to get picked. And it just goes to show where the game is at nowadays. If you cannot shoot, you are a liability. And your chances of getting on an NBA floor greatly diminish. You have to be able to score. And you have to be able to shoot, especially if you're a big man. Because if you're a big man who can't shoot, that means you're going to be hunkered down low on offense, which means you're going to draw a defensive player on defense close to the basket because you can't step out to 15, 20, 23 feet. The whole point of NBA basketball nowadays is spread the floor, drive and kick, three and D guys. Shibwe, not a three and D guy. Timmy, not a three and D guy. Sonogo, not a three and D guy. These three, I guarantee, you know what's funny? If you take the 1990 NBA draft, I don't even know who was in it. I'm just throwing out a year because I know what kind of basketball was played in 1990. I guarantee these three guys would have been picked in the top 10. That's how much basketball's changed. We went over it on Friday when we were talking about the NBA draft. What were we saying? We were talking about the fact that, what, one of the top five players had played of the top five players picked in the NBA draft, one of them had one year of college between them, and that was Brandon Miller played one year at Alabama last year. Victor Wembanyama didn't play college basketball. Scoot Henderson didn't play college basketball. Amen and Asur Thompson didn't play college basketball. That's what I mean. But we're in a different era. We're in a different age, and it was amazing to see that because I didn't even realize it. I watched the whole draft. I watched all four, four and a half hours, whatever it was. And it never dawned on me that the three best big men in college basketball this past year didn't even get picked until I saw it on the screen below and I saw it on Twitter. Drew Toomey signs a free agent contract the Milwaukee Bucks. I just looked it up. Shibwe signed a two-way contract with the Indiana Pacers and Adama Sanogo signed a two-way contract with the Chicago Bulls. Like I said, that just means they have a chance to make their teams. They'll play in the summer league and they'll have to impress. They'll get to play in practice and they'll just have to impress to try and make that roster. Either they make the 15-man roster or they're a two-way player, meaning they get to play for those teams, G League teams, and can get brought up and brought down whenever the team feels they need them. Or they can just make the team out of training camp and make the 15-man roster. But, man, (laughs) it's amazing to see. There were some other ones on the list that I saw that was just like, wow, I didn't realize that person wasn't drafted. But then I was like, well, yeah, that's right. They weren't drafted. Some of the people that weren't drafted, whose names jump out to me, Azulis Tubelis from Arizona, power forward, came out early, didn't even get drafted. Um, Turquavion Smith from NC State. Some people thought he was going to be a first-round pick at one point, didn't get drafted. Mike Miles, who I love, TCU point guard, and he he signed a free agent contract with the Mavericks. I would love to see Mike Miles Jr. make the Mavericks. I loved him as a player at TCU. I want to see good things happen to him. Serge Jabari Rice from Texas, not drafted. Leaky Black out of North Carolina, not drafted. Marquise Noel, 
out of Kansas State, the point guard who lit it up in the NCAA tournament, not drafted. That's what I mean. Only 60 spots. And you know what's funny? I was thinking about this because I knew at a time when I was growing up, because the NBA draft is, you know, the NFL draft goes over three days, it's seven rounds and whatever. I was like, I know there was a time where there was more than two rounds in the NBA draft, right? So I had to Google it because I didn't remember off the top of my head. But in 1987 and before, the NBA draft was 10 rounds. What the fuck? 10 rounds? Back in those days, you carried 12 per game. What was the point of drafting? And there was no G League. What was the point of drafting 10 players for each team? 300 players were drafted to the NBA? I'd have to go back and do a little more digging. That just doesn't even, I mean, it's it's true. But what I'm saying is it doesn't sound right. It doesn't make sense. Why would you allow a team to draft 10 players when only 12 could suit up and there was no G League back then? So then 1987, there were 10 rounds in the NBA draft. In 1988, the next year, they went from 10 down to 3. And then in 1989, it went from 3 down to 2. And ever since 89, it's been a two-round draft, which makes sense. You don't need 7, 8, 9, 10 new players on your team when we know most of them aren't going to make your roster anyway. So what the hell were we thinking back in the 80s, in the 70s and 80s, having 10-round NBA drafts? I don't know. Two makes a lot of sense. Because, like, even if you don't get drafted, you can... We talked about the Miami Heat during the playoffs. There are four undrafted players. Caleb Martin, um, the kid out of uh, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, and the fourth one that I'm forgetting. Remember, we had those four that were, like, averaging X amount of points for them, and that just showed, like, the Heat culture. They were able to find undrafted guys. So... Yes, getting drafted gets you a better chance to make a team, but it doesn't mean if you don't get drafted, you can't have an impact sometime down the line. So I wish the best of luck to those three. But I do know for those three to have any success in the NBA, they got to develop an offensive game outside of five feet or else they are just an offensive liability and they will be at max, you know, maybe a 15-minute-a-game person, 20 minutes a game to come in for some defense and rebounding. But that can only get you so far. That's probably not keeping you on the court at the end of the game, especially in a a playoff game. So I haven't talked a lot of College World Series, and rightfully so, I don't watch college baseball. But because it's the championships of college sports, I'll tune in. I'll keep updated on what's going on. And if you don't know, Florida and LSU are currently in a three-game series. It's tied at one. LSU won the first game, and then Florida came back and (laughs) won game two yesterday, 24-4 which is funny and it could be sad if they don't end up winning the championship because what if they lose tomorrow 3 to 1 you're going to be like great thanks for scoring 24 runs when it re- when it really didn't matter you didn't need that many runs and now you come back the next day and you know lose not saying they're going to lose tonight i have no idea who's going to win i couldn't name one player on either team i just but i'll sit and watch because this is like game 7 now tonight's going to be tough i'm i'll admit i'm not watching tonight's game i'll read the final and whatnot but I'm not going to watch uh, tonight's game because I've got too much going on with recording two podcasts, the premiere of The Bachelorette, and uh, Poker Night with the Boys on Monday nights. So, yeah, I won't be watching, but I will be paying attention. And knowing that Florida won 24-4 to yesterday, 
I, I kind of hope they cash in and win it all. And not this isn't like some slight at LSU or LSU fans, like I said. I don't know anything about college basketball, uh, baseball. So I'm just saying it would be really shitty if they win by 20 runs yesterday and then come out and put up a stinker and lose the next day by scoring zero or one or, or two runs. Because you'd be like, oh, why would you have to score so many on Sunday? But, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're headed tonight. It's essentially a game seven because it's a three-game series tied at one. Um, Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers joined the 2000 hit club yesterday with his 2000th hit in the bottom of the eighth inning. He had a uh, an RBI double. And I don't talk. I, it was probably, this is probably the first time I've brought up Freddie Freeman's name since I started the Sports Daily at the beginning of the year. Uh, but I will say this. This guy's a hell of a baseball player. One of my favorites to watch because he has one of the oddest swings in all of baseball. If you know what I'm talking about, if you're an Atlanta Brave fan, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to Freddie Freeman. It looks like he swings his bat like a golf club. And it's always had that type of loop to it. But yet when you see it from the side, it's weird because it doesn't look that way. But from the center field camera... It looks like every swing he takes is an uppercut. It's just it's it's bizarre the way he looks, but this guy's a stud. I'm a Dodger fan. I'll always root for the Dodgers. I love the fact that they signed him. Now they probably just need to sign Otani to put themselves over the top here. But guys like Freddie Freeman are what's right about the game of baseball because guy never gets in trouble, doesn't say much, not a hothead and just continues year in and year out to put up numbers, and he's certainly headed for the Hall of Fame. Talk a little golf here. First off in the PGA, Keegan Bradley won the Travelers Championship, setting a record, 23 under par. He won $3.6 million, $20 million purse at the Travelers. So the U.S. Open has a $3.6 million purse, and so does the Travelers? I know that PGA, I understand that they added those events this year where they upped, like, I think it's nine or ten events that are all $20 million purses. I, I get it. I understand. But they didn't up the major purses. So that's kind of weird to me. But whatever. I mean, just, I have a feeling, like I said, once I's are dotted, T's are crossed, this PGA Live Tour merger, I have a feeling the minimum purse for any tournament on the PGA tour is going to be 40 or 50 million. I I would think that's the whole point of merging the two tours and having Saudi money be your main way to fund the PGA tour is they're just going to dump a shit ton of money into this thing and make every tournament worthwhile to win. I think we're going to be looking back on the travelers championship being 3.6 million to the winner by next year or the year after, we're going to look back on this and be like, holy shit, that tournament was $3.6 million in 2023? It's $10 million now. I just think that's the way it's going. I can't say I ever am interested in women's golf. I don't watch it very often. If it's on in a major, I'll turn it on. But it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't interest me very much. I don't follow it. However, when I saw a tweet yesterday that Rose Zhang was near the leaderboard with three holes to play, and she was one off the lead in only her second PGA tournament. The first one, she won, or LPGA tournament, and she won the first one she ever entered, and this is now her first major, the KPMG Women's PGA in New Jersey over the weekend. I'm like, whoa. 
I have to turn it on. And I turned on the women's tournament. She was one stroke off the lead. She was six under. The leader was seven under at the time. Uh, and then she bogeyed, uh, I think, 16 or 17, and she fell to five under. And one of the people at seven under went to eight. And I was like, that was it. But, you know, she's been in two tournaments. She's won one and tied for eighth in her second tournament. And she's going to be the biggest name in all of women's golf for the next 10 years. Ass- you know, assuming no injuries. You could just tell. I had never even seen, I had heard all the stories about all of her wins and stuff like that, but I had never seen her golf before. I never watched her swing. And I turned on the KPMG Women's PGA Championship yesterday, and I saw two swings of this woman, and I'm like, oh, boy. The rest of this field is done. As long as this girl has sense between her ears, which she most certainly does, and seeing what she did in the amateur ranks, I mean, this. This woman is going to absolutely kill it on the LPGA. I, I, There's no doubt in my mind. She's going to be winning majors, and she's probably going to be setting records left and right because she's got it. You just look at that swing. You're like, oh, my gosh. And what is she, 19, 20? Yeah. Um, but she didn't win. She did finish eighth, and... It was an entertaining final three holes that I watched. And finally, just going to leave you with this. I haven't had a guest in a while. I think the last guest we had on the podcast was Brian Beckner from back in about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. But we are going to have a guest this Friday, um, and it's going to be a lot of football talk. And it's a guest that I'm looking forward to having. I am set to record tomorrow. I don't want to give it away. If you don't know me from my other podcast, I don't like to jinx stuff. So while I have the time set and I'm ready to record tomorrow, this is through a um, a media company that set this up. So it's not like I'm just hoping that this person picks up the phone when I call them to record. This is being done through an intermediary where we have exchanged phone numbers and we exchanged the time to record tomorrow. I don't want to jinx it, but... I'm very much looking forward to this podcast. It'll be a lot of football talk. Um, someone that knows a lot about football. I just don't want to give it away. But just know that that'll be Friday's podcast. And basically, on Wednesday's podcast, you'll know for sure if everything went down and I recorded it on Tuesday. And then I can uh, then I will tell you who it is. So... Just wanted to give you a little bit of a teaser that we are going to have a guest on Friday, assuming everything goes down tomorrow and the podcast records. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. Pass this podcast along to your friends. That totally helps the podcast as well. Thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.